everybody but Nick. Welcome to Cat's Cradle, the show where we do show, and I'm the show, and this is a very special, going to be an additional supplemental episode, because, drumroll, I have done a big old launch, a little bitty launch, actually. With me to discuss this are Kathleen mm-hmm. and Nick. Hi. Who I'm mad at for no reason. Absolutely no reason whatsoever. (laughs) No reason. So if you've been paying attention to our Twitter, you'll know that the season one zine edition of Heroic Chord just went live. And what does that mean exactly? Well, that's a manual that's meant to be played just season one. There's no advancement rules in it. There's no seasons two and beyond. But it's a cute little zine. It's easy to print. It's easy to share. And my goal was twofold with this. Partially, I just really wanted to get these rules ready. And I felt like I was ready to do that. And partially because, I mean, these are some times, hey? Oh, boy. These are some times. (laughs) These are some times I'm not allowed to leave apartment. I'm not allowed to leave apartment, so I guess it's time to make a zine. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's it's zine time, everybody, because uh, can't go outside. It's zine o'clock. Gotta stay inside. So you're going to be familiar with some of the changes between this and the beta manual that launched with Sword of Symphonies if you listen to the Cat's Cradle about the patch notes. But there's a couple other things that have changed as well that I'd love to talk to you about. If you haven't already, you can download it for free at peachgardengames.com. There's also a pay what you want on itch.io, so check that out as well if you want to give money. We would appreciate any tips. In the meantime, however, what do you, what questions? Have questions? So I guess I will start off then. Um, the biggest change that a lot of you may see if you have played the game before or if you've gone over the character gen, you may notice that the dice pools have been significantly reduced <laughs> while in... While rolling a giant thunderstorm worth of D6s is a lot of fun, uh, it was sort of kind of, it was kind of getting out of control. So what can you tell us about how you sort of (laughs) reined in the rolling thunder that was the dice pools? Yeah, why do I not uh, regularly have to roll 12 dice at a time when I'm doing an understanding navigation roll? (laughs) Yeah, I realize that like this is season one. These are, I mean, a level if you can call it that, in Heroic Chord, is much longer than a level in a lot of other games. It's meant to be a whole season of play. But late in season one, you guys were rolling so many dice. I was like, this is, these are technically level one characters. This is not okay. How many dice are you going to roll next season? That's too many. The things that you could make your character good at, you would make your character very good at. And I like that. I genuinely like that, but I also felt like it was a little out of hand. I also felt like skill levels were something I was doing just because it was the thing to do and not because it actually fit the game. I've mentioned this in past talks about how I design games. I'm such an iconoclast. If I'm doing something for no other reason than because it's the thing to do, I'm probably going to jettison it at some point. So Mm -hmm. enjoy HP while you're used to it, I guess. Don't get too attached to that. (laughs) So for everyone who hasn't read the zine yet, how do skill rolls work now? Skills are on a binary now. 
you either have a skill or you don't have a skill. If you don't have a skill, you're just rolling your facet. If you do have a skill, you're rolling a number of dice equal to your current season. So in this case, understanding navigation would be Tissa's understanding plus one. So a mere five dice. A mere five dice. Not eight or nine. Not eight or nine. A little, little harder to get up to eight or nine now. A little bit. That's going to help us kind of rein things in a little bit on the number of dice you're rolling front, which was getting a little bit silly. It's probably also going to change what you determine in terms of like success requirements for skill checks or anyone else who's GMing right now. Right. Are going to probably go back to like a one success is a success kind of universe. Yeah. And that's my intention was for most things to have a difficulty of one or two. When I started the game, I don't think I was prepared for how many skill levels I would be giving people. And part of that's me as a GM. And part of that's me not thinking for thinking ahead. Uh, this is why we play test. Yeah, I think like out of the box season one characters are feel kind of like where they should be. But yeah, like if you have a group of more than one person... Because the, obviously the person who goes through season one, they get their, you know, they get their upgrade, they go to season two, all that other stuff. But everybody else gets, you know, they get some skill points, they get some other things. And you were giving out like four skill points. Yeah. So like we all got like eight additional skill points before season two, which is a lot. Now, granted, you did try and say that, you know, okay, some of these are going to be in things you don't have. So you know, hey, this is the adventure that we went on where Cobb learned, you know, maybe to use his brain a little bit more and to think through things. So he would get tactics instead of just throwing everything into play the accordion and swashbuck. Is that what you thought Cobb learned? Nick, Nick, hold on, hold on. Stop the podcast. Is that what you think Cobb learned? <laughs> no, we're pretty certain Cobb didn't learn a whole lot of things. He learned some very important lessons, but mostly he learned how to play the accordion. That is okay. Okay. That is okay. All right. Good. Excellent. Cool. <laughs> In Cobb's personal diary, it's, uh, oh, I played the accordion for this noble demon, and it wasn't, oh, I drew my captain's saber for the first time. Look, that that was in there too, but but a lot of the margins in Cobb's journals are just like, you know, little, little like tweaks on sea shanties. It's, it's like the, mu <laughs> the musical version of doodling in the margins. Well, that's very cute. That's very cute. So included in the zine is the new version of all of the characters, all of the classes. We don't have advancement rules, so there's only season one abilities in there, but it's got assist pools in it now. So you can look forward to seeing those and reading those over. They're very cool. I like them a lot. I'm glad. I, I'm glad I like them too. I think they're very fun. There have been some tweaks to some of the party actions and season one abilities. This is true, largely because I did jettison party actions. I don't think, I think MP were a resource that weren't getting used. So the party actions that I've kept now have scatter costs. I really think that rolling the party actions into the assist pool was a really good idea. Like... I mean, I got to give you big ups for that one, cat. That was some good design. Oh, I'm glad. Thank you. What else is in there? All the stuff that was in the old manual. The stuff about the setting is in there. There's a bunch of setting notes. So if you want to share a Milta with your friends, 
this zine has got descriptions of places, descriptions of people. It's got the same monsters. Yeah, you can see some of the monsters that we fought. Uh, the broadside is in there. Yes. I don't believe the weird, like, sword rays that we fought. I don't no. know. I don't think they're in there, but I know the broadside is in broadside there. Broadside is in there, yes. Some of, there are some automatons in there, which we haven't fought yet. I have not made you guys fight an automaton yet. We also haven't really gone to the Velt. Like, this is true. Like, the Velt is the opposite of where Cobb likes, so. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys go too far inland, Cobb will cry. So let's dive a little bit more into, well, I don't know, it's not dive. Let's just make sure we go over all of the rest of the rule changes. Yeah. We talked last time about getting rid of memory points because we weren't really using them. Mm -hmm. But uh, memory time is still part of the game. What's going on with that? I really wanted to keep memory time because I like it. I enjoy doing memory time with you guys at the end of every session. And I think it's a great way to kind of keep in touch with the whole group and to offer everybody a little bit of feedback. And it's wonderful. So now what's happening with memory time is if you share a memory, next session you get the memory die, which you can choose to add on to one of your rolls. Kind of like when you roll two dice because you've used part of your key. This is just like an extra floating dice you can use to boost the much lowered dice pools in this version of the game. Then similarly, we mentioned that a lot of the party actions have been rolled into the assist pool or uh, cost scatter now. Yes. The other thing that was using memory points are cords. And um, I guess also arpeggios have changed a lot, come to think about it. Oh, yeah. I just rolled arpeggios right up into the magic system. We discussed this in the patch notes episode, I think. Maybe, but let's just go over it again. Yeah. So now what you're going to be doing is you're going to be adding your spell pieces onto an attack. So you're going to be passing one of your spell pieces to someone to add onto their next physical attack. So it's still kind of that fridge poetry aesthetic that Heroic Chord has. It's kind of a little more clear cut. It's rolled up into a system that you already understand, you already know. So, so hopefully that'll be easier to use and it'll see more use because arpeggios were a little bit arcane before. And then the other spellcasting change would have been chords. Previously, you had one person burdened with the scatter cost and another person who spent a memory point. How have things changed with chords? Now you're just plain splitting the cost. Okay. You're just plain sharing the scatter cost, which means you've got a higher ceiling on it because you're sharing it between two people. Mathematically, that is easier. <laughs> yeah. What if uh, you're someone who plays real aggressive with their spellcasting, like me maybe? Does that mean that uh, you can't assist on chords ever? It does mean that you can assist on chords, but it does mean that you've got to, like so many other things in, in a good RPG, you've got to work with your team. Mm -hmm. So assisting on chords would be like, hey, Penelope, let's cast a spell that's going to have like a scatter cost of eight. And let's share that. And Kirsten will say, God, four is a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was also trying to prompt you about the thing about can a cord overscatter you? Oh, yes. A cord can't overscatter you because you're, you're doing it with a teammate. This is teamwork. So you always have like one, which means 
You can definitely burn a bunch of your scatter, but you won't be knocked out because in addition to blurring into the world around you, you're also being supported by somebody you know and, I mean, hopefully, at least in this campaign, you care about. Mm -hmm. I don't know about in your campaigns at home, listener, but, you know, I wanted there to be more of a feeling of partnership and... I really did want to at least have one mechanic that emphasizes teamwork and togetherness because I love those kinds of things. Totally. Well, and you've been very clear that Heroic Chord is a game about teamwork. Yeah. It is a very teamwork, teamwork-centric game, which is also one of the really, you know, fun things about it. Because, say, for instance, the good old Dungeon Dragon... Most characters, like all of your stuff, is just kind of for you. Mm -hmm. It's nice to help your friends out and have rules specifically for helping your friends out outside of, like, the help action. Yeah. And uh, Dungeon Dragon was actually a huge influence on the Beckoning Infiltrator. Because I don't play rogues, but I play with rogues. And they always like to do a thing where either they're the only one playing or everyone else is playing because they're somewhere else. So I really wanted to make a rogue who was very connected to other people. Togetherness is very much the basis of that particular class, even more so maybe than the others. Mm -hmm. But all the class write-ups are available in the zine. There's also kind of a few new character creation tweaks, like now the game formally requests that you think about what it's like when your character scatters. There's some ideas in there. Some talk about key. Some talk about key, which you may remember from... The other cat's cradle. Um, you may remember from what's currently going on in Sword of Symphonies. If for some reason you're listening to Cat's Cradle and not Sword of Symphonies. Um, that's your prerogative, I suppose. That's your prerogative. And you know what? It'll make up for the people who are only listening to Sword of Symphonies and not Cat's Cradle. <laughs> so hi. Um, but key is... A list of five driving emotions. So when you're creating your character, you're now thinking about like what causes them to act. Like the sample keys that I've put in the zine are for Clara and Miller. So you can read those. You can see what drives Miller. Other than French fries. Hunger's on the list. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Hunger's on the list. Miller, Miller's a garbage disposal. He's constantly eating. We know this. Have you ever wanted to stop playing the game that your GM wanted to so that you could, I don't know, kiss everyone in the tavern or something, and the GM is like, come on, we need to move forward, and you're like, but my character would do this. Now, when you're playing Heroic Chord, you can have proof of that on your key. <laughs> I feel so called out right now. <laughs> oh, I feel so called out right now. But it's, uh, it's correct. Yes. I think key is going to go a long way toward, first of all, having big hero moments, which is something I want very badly in this game. And I'm not going to rest until I find a good one. And second, just getting people to think about and reward what drives their character and what makes them special. Because everybody's character is special. So if you pick up the zine and... Build a character, even if you don't play, I want very badly to meet your character. Now that we have gone over the fact that we want to see your characters, let's talk about uh, the characters that, if you do follow Sword of Symphony, you've already been familiar with. Mm -hmm. 
Because starting in season two, we're going to be using full-on season two rules, which means we need to re-roll Cobb, Tissa, and Penelope. They have to get all new and shiny. Yuppers. And we knew this would happen. That's what happens when you play test. So any insight on what exactly we're going to be doing with Cobb, Tissa, and Penelope right now? So from my perspective, I'm probably going to keep Cobb in the same direction. Big on swashbuckling, big on singing, that kind of stuff. Good at boat. But I guess it's going to be interesting to see because Cobb has picked up a bunch of, you know, like little bits and pieces here and there that under the new system, he may not have. He has a little bit of tactics, but he may not have tactics in the new system because if he's just as good at tactics as he is at sword fighting, that would be kind of weird for him to have both of them because he is a much better sword fighter than he is tactician or, I mean, he's even a better sword fighter than he is a sailor. Right. But those are two things, though, that you would definitely say that he has. Whereas, you know, like Tissa, for example, is still, I think, going to be our navigator. Mm -hmm. But, like, what little bits and pieces has Tissa picked up that she may not technically still have on her character? I think that tactics is probably something that might end up leaving from a role-playing perspective, which is a shame because it's really damn mechanically useful. Mm. I'm also going to be giving you guys some additional skill points just by virtue of being second season characters. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think is going to be interesting going forward is seeing, I feel like at least Cobb and Tissa are pretty specialized. I have taken for Tissa tons of navigation, pretty decent amount of tracking, like I think Spirits is also pretty up there. And so I imagine that a lot of the things are going to stay, but I'm probably going to rely on key as to how I make rolls going forward a lot more than now, which I have to admit that I'm spending a lot of time looking at like, okay, how can I make my dice work the best for here? I like that a lot just because that does mean that kind of like the three spirits, uh, I've taught someone a valuable lesson. Um, you're the Scrooge and the, the Christmas hating is metagaming. <laughs> and I lost track of my metaphor, but the point is uh, I did it all in one night and now, uh, and now Kathleen has changed her metagaming ways. <laughs> uh, but it does go back to uh, our conversation about stats mm. where the stats in Heroic Chord are defined by how your character solves problems rather than what they're sort of innately good at. And moving to this lower dice pool, giving a little bit of emphasis to that extra roll from the memory die and from playing to your key, that I think pushes the game more into that role play territory again, where you're being mechanically rewarded for doing things that are your character and what motivates them and how they do things rather than the things that your character is good at. That's yeah, that's that's good cuz very much something I want out of this game. Like I'm too much of a freaking gamer to abandon stuff like doing fights and having HP altogether because I like old-fashioned games like that, but I do want to inject a heavy dose of story game into it. So I'm hoping that Key will will serve that uh well. Okay, so I do kind of want to keep this one fairly short because we are doing a um, 
This is basically just kind of an extended ad. Download the zine. Check it out. It's very nice. It's very comfy. But is there anything else you guys want to cover? No, I think we went over a lot of the stuff that I find that I, I really like about the new stuff. Uh, I, yeah, I'm going to reiterate the zine is really, really cool looking. Uh, it's Aww. an easy read. It's a very cozy read. Yeah, go get it. Download it. Let us know what you think about it. And let us know, you know, hey, if you're thinking of doing characters or whatever, you can find us at all those places. Uh, and I will let Kat tell you what those are because I have I haven't memorized the script yet. <laughs> you fool. You think I have a script? <laughs> you can use the email form on swordofsymphonies.com or you can let us know by Twitter at PeachGardenRPGs. Seriously, tell me all about your character. I know there's a stereotype that no one wants to hear about your character. This is an exception. I desperately want to hear about your character. But yeah, if you are stuck indoors and looking for some social contact, try throwing up a game of Heroic Chord in your next RPG system. It's eminently one-shottable. It plays really fast, I think especially now that we've got fewer dice to roll. And if you have any questions, you can hit up the designer. She's extremely accessible. <laughs> Exactly. Am I going to be printing up this zine and giving away copies? Oh, yeah, that's going to be happening. If you're curious about that, you can follow us on Twitter at Peach Garden RPGs or me at Catling Gun. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get one of these one of these babies into your hot little hands, probably alongside some shiny dice, you know where to find me. And with that, we'll see you next week. See you. See you next week, everybody. Have fun out there. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.